Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm Anthony Pagnotta. Thursday was the close to spring camp as the team now turns to Saturday's spring game where they will officially close down spring football in Chapel Hill. We had to talk to two of the Tar Heels' best beat writers about where the team stands and what they're keeping an eye on on Saturday. And it starts with Jacob Turner of Tar Heel Illustrated. Jake, it's been a little while, man, but, uh, you know, I, we, I saw you out at the uh, Rivals Three Stride Camp, and I know we have to get you back on to talk a little Tar Heel football. So, first of all, um, how you doing now? You're getting the focus back towards football. So, are you excited that uh, we're back and maybe focusing on the football team a little more than we have in maybe even the last couple of years yeah man it's it's good to be back on here Anthony. i appreciate you um um having me on here it's good to see you at the rivals camp uh, i'm sure i think i speak for both of us when i say that was a, a fun experience to see some some of the top players from i mean not only north carolina and south carolina but georgia texas florida I mean, those guys from california it was a really cool event my first time there uh really awesome experience but man i'm excited for, for carolina football to be back it's something that there's a real buzz around the program i'm actually on the way back from interviewing some players after carolina's i guess their final spring practice before the spring game on saturday and i mean it's just a different vibe the players seem excited um coaches seem excited especially mac brown um and and guys just seem to to be ready to get back on the field i know javante williams said today um that he was just you know he's he really is really confident in this team patrice and a said the same thing antonio williams said the same thing that they're really, really confident in what this team can do going forward, and they just feel like 
they're out. They, they, it almost seems like they have a point to prove to go out there and, and, and erase the, the past over the past couple seasons under Fedora and, and move on from that. So I think, you know, you combine that with the talent that Carolina has, the excitement and, and just the, you know, the Hall of Famer coach and the, and the amazing coaching staff he put together. I think there's a really good buzz around Carolina football right now. And I know the players are excited to get back on the field, but, you know, I'm excited to get back into Keenan Stadium and start covering them again because I only got to cover uh, – I came on to Star Illustrated late in the season, so I only got to cover about two or three games last year, man. So I'm really excited to see um, the football team back out there. I think it's going to be a, a really fun event there on Saturday afternoon. And it looks like it's going to be a wet Keenan Stadium, but hopefully that rain holds off. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, either way, I, I think you're right. The mindset around the team really does seem to be different. You know, you said you came on late in the season. What's the difference that you've seen from even certain players, guys probably like Patrice Rene and, and Antonio Williams, who were there last year and were seen as leaders late in the season? But is there more energy with those guys this year with Mac Brown being there and, and with a fresh page to start on? Yeah, that's a good question, Anthony. I think – I think it's it's there's this quiet confidence amongst the players now. I think I really saw it in Antonio today. Um, you know, he's a really always been a really um, positive, happy going guy. But you know, obviously with the season they had last year, you didn't really see that as much. And just right now, I know Carolina hasn't played any games under Matt Brown, and you can't really judge this team until they you know really even past the season over against South Carolina. You I mean you really can't judge them until you know maybe three fourths of the way through the season next year. On, on what they've been able to do. But there just seems to, you know, Antonio Williams seems a lot more happy, a lot more positive. And like I said, there's this quiet confidence that it's almost really hard to explain if you don't see it firsthand. But guys just seem to be more confident in what they're doing. I think they, I think they almost just believe more in what the coaching staff is putting out there. Because, I mean, Anthony, I know you've, you know, covered, you do a great job covering Carolina football and Carolina athletics in general. But I know you've, you could you've um, analyzed the staff and talked about the staff that Matt Brown's hired, and you got a Hall of Fame head coach. And not only is he, not only do you have that, but I mean the guys and coaching staff that he's brought in: Phil Longo, an offensive coordinator; right. Jay Bateman, right. defensive coordinator; Tim Bruce is one of the best recruiters in the country, one of the best tight end coaches in the nation. Um, I mean, you just look at those three guys, and those are probably three of the most influential guys. And then you add in Dre Blot, um, you add in Gillespie at the running back, uh, running back coach, you add in Thigpen, who's had such an amazing career there under Mac Brown as a linebacker. And the, the, the players just seem to be so much more confident in what the coaching staff is doing. And I, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt as well because, like I said, right. Carolina hasn't played a game yet. So we don't really know what to expect from this team. There, There's still uh, some freshmen that have to come in and get acclimated that will likely have to play some important roles because there is some position that Carolina doesn't have a ton of depth at, especially at that front seven up spot at the, on the defense, but there just seems to be this quiet confidence about the guys. They seem to be happy. They seem to be um, enjoying practice and enjoying this new coaching staff and what they're learning, and I think a lot of that has to do with what the coaching staff has done, trying to instill that confidence in them, but I mean, like I said, when you're playing under guys like that, it's like it's pretty hard not to, to be excited and be confident in what you're doing. Yeah, you talked about it. Every position coach seems to be, uh, you know, relatively storied. One of the guys that I really like that, you know, you didn't mention there is Lonnie Galloway, who I love as mm -hmm. a wide receivers oh, yeah. coach. I thought that was a fantastic pickup. He's been in so many different types of systems. And people mm -hmm. might say, well, what have you done for me lately? Well, he was fantastic at Louisville and has put out some great wide receivers out of there. So I, I think you're right. This staff is loaded. One of the guys that I really thought they did a great job of keeping on the staff was Robert Gillespie. I really thought 
thought he did a great job with the running backs last year, and it kind of got swept under the rug just a little bit because of the overall struggles of the team. But I think you're right. I think that this staff really instills confidence in guys really just based on merit. And um, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you talk about Mac Brown, is that something that maybe early in camp or even still late in camp guys talk about is the fact that he is a Hall of Fame coach, he does have a national title? Uh, is, is there more confidence because Mac Brown is who he is? Yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I, we as I think pretty much every time we've interviewed somebody new at these practices, a new player we haven't talked to in the spring, we've kind of asked them that question of what it's kind of like mm-hmm. working under a Hall of Fame guy. And I definitely think it plays a big factor because even recruits have talked about it this past weekend at the Rivals camp because I'll ask them about, you know, what is right. it like being recruited by a Hall of Famer? And, I mean, a guy like Mac Brown, who's literally he's won a national championship, not many guys in football or coaches can say that. That's the pinnacle. It's really tough to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy that has not only won a national championship, but has been so successful at Texas and even at App State when he was there for a year and and at Carolina where he's at right now. I think that alone just shows these guys and shows these recruits and whoever maybe even the players on the team right now that, hey, if we listen to this guy and we believe in what Matt Brown's doing, he'll get us there because he's done it before. And it's it's hard when, say, you're a guy like Larry Fedora and you haven't doing the biggest thing you've won at Carolina once, you know, that ACC title and that great run they had in 2015. And that was a great year, but it's not the same because it's a guy like Matt Brown who's won, who's reached the pinnacle of college football, right. who's won everything there is to win. So I think it really does play a factor with these kids. I think there's more of a belief in, hey, if we listen to what this guy's doing, if we listen to the staff that he's put together, if we buy in, we can be, you know, a really good football team. And I think – that quiet confidence that I talked about, I think it has a lot to do with that. I think I think it's these guys being confident in what these coaches are preaching, maybe more so than the, than the old staff. I'm not trying to discourage anything the old staff's done or even right, talk right. about them. I mean, that's in the past, but it, it doesn't compare when you compare the old staff to what it is now. So I think that confidence is there, and I think that'll uh, play a huge factor because, I mean, you know how it's in any sport, much less college football, confidence is key, and if you believe right. in what you're doing, you can really have a successful year. So I'm looking forward to see how that translates on the field Saturday. Obviously, we're not going to get a huge look at anything because you're playing against each other. Mm -hmm. So you don't really get a great idea of what this team's going to look like. There's still some freshmen that have to come in, like I mentioned earlier. But the confidence is there. Guys seem to be really buying in right now. And hopefully that translates to wins on the field. And I would be shocked right now if it did. Well, I know that you talked to Antonio Williams and Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys are expected to take on some big roles this season. Of course, Javante yeah. finished the year extremely well against Western Carolina and then started the game against State because really just yeah. the lack of depth at the position because of injuries. And yeah. he's now expected to take on that bigger role. And part of the reason is is because Jordan Brown is now gone. Um, you know, when, when you saw the news about Jordan Brown, I don't think anybody should really be all that shocked I think it was actually the best move for him because this Tar Heel backfield it, it really is loaded this season oh, yeah. I mean is it the deep is it the deepest position on this team right now in spring camp in your opinion I think I think it might be Anthony I think Jordan I, I think I tweeted this uh, the day Jordan Brown left I don't know if you saw it or not but I tweeted that 
Jordan Brown, him leaving, like you mentioned, shouldn't really be much of a shock because right. when you consider the depth at Carolina's backfield, mm-hmm. I mean, this is no discredit to, to Jordan Brown at all, but, I mean, he was likely going to be fourth string because what right. Javante Williams showed last year, it, I actually wrote a story about him after the Western Carolina game. That was one of my first stories I wrote for Tar Illustrated. I think that was my first football game I covered. And he was a kid that wasn't highly recruited out of high school that mm-hmm. I have to give credit for to Fedora and his staff for picking him up. He's an in-state guy who – I think he won like three state championships. He was just a, a great player. He was actually planning on coming to Carolina as a student. Had like a 4.0 GPA in, in high school. Wasn't even thinking about playing college football because he just wasn't getting offers at the D1 level. And lo and behold, he comes in and he shows how good he can be. And I talked to him today and he, he, he mentioned the fact that it was kind of a shock that Jordan Brown left. He said that Jordan texted um, them the night before, I believe, and told him he was transferring. And not a lot of guys expected it in that position group because I, I had talked to Jordan a few weeks prior and I had talked to Antonio and Michael Carter and Javante earlier in the season about how much of a leader Jordan Brown was in that backfield because he was one of the most experienced guys. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how much of a leader he was. And I talked to Jordan about that. And he said he's, you know, trying to lead these guys and just trying to show them the ways of, of how, how having to do things. And even Antonio, I mean, he's a senior but he only been in the program for what a year and a half now. Right. So Jordan leaving, like I mentioned, I don't think was too much of a shock. I don't think it should be too much of a shock to anybody. I don't think it really hurts Carolina's backfield because like you mentioned, I do think this is Carolina's deepest position right now. I think you can make cases that maybe some other spot. I think wide receiver is really good right now. I even, I, and this might be a little, I don't know if people will agree, but I think quarterback's super deep right now. Matt Brown mentioned it last week that, he actually went out of his way to say, I would have recruited all three of these guys when I was at Texas. That's how talented they are. So I think Carolina is in a really good position on offense. Like I mentioned it, that with um, the defense, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, there's not right. a ton of depth over there at cornerback, at linebacker, even at, at, at the defensive position, at the defensive end, at defensive line position. A lot of that has to do with some injuries right now. Um, I think they will be fine when the season starts. But – to answer your question, uh, Anthony, I think this team is is very deep and probably the deepest at the running back position because there's just a ton of talent. Michael Carter is exceptional. Right. I think he's going to have a really good year. Antonio Williams, a leader, really, really good running back. And then you add Javante Williams, who's really starting to emerge and, and getting a lot of praise from guys around him. So running back's looking good right now. And Jordan Levin was disappointing. I think he did some really nice things and, you know, kind of a quiet guy that was a good leader and, a, and a, definitely a, a good representative uh, representative of Carolina football, but um, I can't blame him for leaving because, like I mentioned, I think he was unfortunately going to be fourth string. Right, and now that fourth string position on the depth chart opens up a little bit. One of the guys mm-hmm. to keep an eye on will probably be redshirt sophomore Antoine Branch. He was a guy that yeah. came in and was relatively highly recruited, um, sort of has had some injury problems, and is more of a bigger back, so could fit that role uh, down the line. So keep an eye on him potentially uh, at Saturday's game if he does see some reps. But we turn to the defensive side of the football, like you said, and let's start in that defensive backfield because we did lose two significant guys in the last couple of weeks. One to transfer in KJ Sales, who will move on. Um, It seems like because of some family health 
health yeah. issues. Uh, that's that, what I'm thinking too, yeah, yeah, that's where I think he's going to go with. I think that's the reason he's moving on. And then C.J. Cotman retires uh, because of uh, recurrent headaches. So mm-hmm. that, I think that was the reason why he was off the field so much last year. Again, we still yeah. haven't really gotten any clarification because, as we all know, Larry Fedora and his staff were <laughs> not very good at no. keeping us up to date on that kind of stuff. So as journalists, we're pulling. We we are still pulling our hair out over some of the injuries that these guys have. But mm-hmm. you know, we lose both of those guys, and then we do have Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfolk at safety, both limited. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so right now, first I want to ask you, you know, that cornerback position opposite of Patrice Renee, who is that guy right now? Is it Greg Ross? Is it has Trey Shaw maybe kind of progressed along? Who is that guy right there? And then also at the safety positions, you know, who are the guys that have emerged? I've heard DJ Ford is one of the guys that's really stepped up. Yeah, I think at the cornerback position is really wide open. Patrice Renee is a lock. I think he had a really good mm-hmm. season last year, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of people didn't throw to him because the other side of the field of the cornerback position was so weak. So I think the jury's a, maybe a little bit still out on Patrice Renee because he's. I think he'll be targeted probably similar to what he was last year because I think he is the most talented guy, so he's probably not going to be targeted a ton. But I think Patrice Renee is really locked down that position. But like you mentioned, Anthony, I don't really know right now. I think Greg Ross and Trey Shaw are the two guys because, I mean, I was at, I was at open practice a couple weeks ago, and they literally have like five cornerbacks. So there's not a ton of depth right now right. there, and it's unfortunate. But – it's going to be up to Greg Ross or Trace Shaw stepping up. Obviously, Greg Ross got some reps last year. And I'm not – no knock on Greg Ross, but he didn't have a great year at the end of the year last year. He was right. really, really targeted and really, really taking advantage of a lot. But you can't really judge him off that because Carolina's defense and, unfortunately, the team as a whole was just not very good at all. So, I, I right now, I'd have to say I, I think it's going to be up between Shaw and Ross. But for me, I don't know. I don't think anybody's really – pulled themselves or, or made themselves um more of a starter right now between those two guys so i think that'll be one of the key things to watch at the spring game i know you can't really get a ton out of spring games like i mentioned but it'll be interesting to see who maybe is running with that first team defense if that's how they decide to do it i'm assuming we'll see um a first team defense out there at some point i know some of the rules for the spring game are a little bit different this year um, which I couldn't even go into explaining right now because honestly i don't even understand some of it right now but i think at that cornerback position, it's going to be a battle between those guys, like I mentioned. Right now, I'd probably give the nod to Greg Ross because he did get some good, decent reps last year. And some guys have been talking about him doing some nice things. I think Trey Morrison's mentioned him. Patrice Renee's mentioned him a few times. So Greg Ross right now is probably going to get that nod, but that position's still way up in the air. And at the safety position, Anthony, um, you, you did mention Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfwood being out. Miles Dorn had surgery last week, and he's been right. in practice. Saw him at practice today in a red jersey. So. I think he's doing some things. He was suited up, I believe. So he's doing some things very light. I don't. I highly doubt you'll see him in the spring game. Miles Wolfwick's had a yellow jersey on most of the spring practice, which means he's limited as well. But I think at safety position, those two guys are – I think that position's pretty locked in with those two guys. I think you have two really talented safeties that have some experience right. there, especially with Miles Dorn. Um, but I was thinking maybe potentially we'd see – Trey Morrison get a shot, but we talked to him uh, on Tuesday, and he said he's uh, running predominantly primo that nickel position. So maybe you'll see him get mixed in there in a little bit because I think he's more than capable of doing that. DJ Ford is a guy that's emerged um, and done some nice things. I would, 
I would like to see Javon Terry get a shot there. He's going uh, be a sophomore right. this year. I think a redshirt, maybe a redshirt freshman. I don't know off the top of my head. I believe he'll be a redshirt freshman this year. But he actually right. went to Wake Forest High School where I went to high school, um, played with the likes of uh, Dexter Lawrence, Bryce Love when he was a little bit younger, won state, I think he won at least two state championships when he was there. And yep. Was a really talented three-star guy out of Wake Forest that – that school has produced some of the best uh, players and some of the top players um, over the past few years. But uh, I think Javon Terry is a little banged up right now, so I don't know if we'll see him in the spring game. I'm not 100% sure on that right now. But like I said, unfortunately at that position right now, you've got two of your most experienced guys out, and I think that's definitely going to play a factor. So don't look into, too, into that too much at the spring game because, like I said, you're just not like, most likely not going to have going out there at all. And Wolf, would, I, I'm not sure if you're going to see him because of how limited he is. So it could be some interesting things at safety during the spring game. But at the same time, that's good for the likes of DJ Ford and for the likes of other guys that are trying to step up back there and get some playing time. Because one thing I've noticed about DJ Ford, too, man, is his body type. He's like a 6'3", super lengthy guy. He yeah. looks like a safety. And Javon Terry, as well, is a pretty big kid, too. So those two guys, when I saw them at open practice, I, I looked at those, Ford and Terry, and was like, those are two guys that – look like division one acc caliber safeties with their body size so they can just figure things out continue to improve i think carolina next year is going to need those guys to step up even more because like i mentioned i think dorn and wolf pretty much have their spots locked down if they can stay healthy which has been a problem for those two guys unfortunately over the past few seasons yeah you're right about that now where is bryson richardson is he in the nickel or is he i believe so yeah i believe he's been running with the nickel when i saw him he's another guy i did forget to mention good good catch on that one anthony i think he i believe he was recruited as a safety so i right right so i think he'll maybe get some reps back there especially at the spring game but if i'm not mistaken when i saw him at open practice he was running a lot at that nickel position, which I think is a good position for him. He's one of the, he's mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of Trey Morrison. He's a heavy hitter, a uh, big kid, a lot of energy who I think is going to be a really good player as well. But that's another thing to keep an eye on. I, I would not be surprised to see him getting some reps at safety with all the injuries Carolina has there uh, during the spring game on Saturday. Well, you mentioned the nickel position, and just really quickly, there there still is going to be a significant amount of nickel and even probably four cornerbacks on the field at mm-hmm. a time in this system, right? I think a lot of people feel that with the 3-4 system, we're going to mm-hmm. run a 3-4 base at all times. It, that's with, with the way today's game is set up where it's more passive base we're still going to see a lot of nickel corner out there right yeah i think you'll see a lot of nickel uh especially the fact that i think the fact that trey morrison is getting no other reps anywhere else really besides nickel kind of shows you how important that position is with a lack of you know just the lack of depth carolina has a cornerback and safety right now so i think that speaks volumes i think that nickel is going to be a very important position and having a guy like trey uh, Morrison back there is huge because we all know the season he had last year in a pretty miserable season for Carolina. He was right. the shining light. So, yeah, Anthony, to answer your question, I think you're going to see a lot of that nickel position uh, for Bateman and his defense. And then uh, let's look up front because, as you mentioned, the front seven is really going through some things depth-wise. Part of mm-hmm. that is because they do have so many injuries. Uh, the defensive line in particular, guy like mm-hmm. Jason Strobridge out, who has yep. been just such a huge leader for this team over the last couple of years – and has grown into really one of the better players. Tyrone mm-hmm. Hopper and Alan Cater, two guys that unfortunately will now have to wait until fall to figure out where they fit 
win, whether or not they're going to stand up or put their hand in the dirt. And then you mm. got Jonathan Smith, one of the leaders at linebacker, who's out. But there are some guys that have stepped up. And Jeremiah Gemmel at the linebacker position, he looks like he might be the guy that steps in and takes over for Cole Holcomb. And then on the defensive line, there are some younger guys who are emerging. Zach Gill, I think, has seen a little bit more of an expanded role. Um, so look out for him and maybe even another guy uh, like Jake Lawler. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. when you look at those th- those positions right there, first of all, how concerned should people be with the depth, and who are some of those names that are stepping forward that could ease some of those concerns as we go along? Yeah, that's a good question. I think right now, Matt Brown mentioned it last week that he was talking about the lack of depth of the D line right now. But the main reason he said that is he said, I'm not considering any of the guys that are out right now because I've never seen them play. Right. So in reality, Carolina's depth at that line, if everybody's healthy, should be fine. I mean, we saw Carolina's D-line last year at times. I thought – I tweeted a few times. I thought Carolina's defensive line in some games last year was one of the best top defensive lines in the ACC. I thought they did some really nice things. Cater started to emerge. Strobridge was really a dominant force that started to emerge and did some really nice things towards the end of the year. Obviously, losing Malik Connie is a, a big miss for this Carolina defense because he was a leader and a really, really good player who's going who's gonna to make some really good money at the next level here coming up soon. But I think having Strobridge back in the fall is going to be huge. I think Cater's going to do some nice things. And I've interviewed Jake Lawler a few times this year, and I don't know why he hasn't seen the field more because when I – I mean, he is just a big kid. He looks like – he looks like a Division One ACC caliber D-end. Right. He's a very smart kid as well. So I think you're going to see him get some more playing time. I think he's a guy that could really emerge at that defensive line position. But like you mentioned, I think Strobridge and Cater are two of the biggest hopper. Also had a really good year last year. So I wouldn't be too concerned at the defensive line come, um, what, the first game of the year next year in August, late August. Right. I wouldn't be too worried if everybody can get healthy and get back out there because I think there's some serious talent down there. I mean, Aaron Crawford. Guys have been talking about right. him like crazy. Nick Polino actually spoke about him on Tuesday. He's like, I've gone up against him for five years now, and I, there's not. He actually met a, made a point of saying that I play games against guys all the time that don't even compare to Crawford and how good he is. We didn't get wow. to see Crawford at all last year, really. Maybe what five, ten snaps total with all the injuries he had. Yeah, so took ten snaps. That's the another whole year. huge pickup yeah. for them. And I'm um, sorry to cut you off, Anthony, but at the linebacker okay. position as well. That probably is my biggest concern. I know mm-hmm. you probably know the lack of depth mm-hmm. right there. I mean, unfortunately, I think Gimmel has done a really nice job and stepped up. I've heard he's been calling a lot of the plays on the defensive side of the ball as well. So I think that kind of shows how much he has emerged kind of is that, um, you know, middle linebacker type guy. But, I mean, besides that, it's it's extremely thin. Chad Surratt, I think, has done some nice things. But the unfortunate part is when you're – probably your second best linebacker right now but with not considering Jonathan Smith it sounds like he's going to be back on the team uh when it starts I know some people have talked to him and he seems pretty confident he's going to be back out there um come fall but that's still up in the air who knows if he'll get his grade straight and be able to play again and if you take him away from that team I mean who do you have you have a Gimmel who played a little bit last year and you've got Chaz Wright who's making a move from quarterback to linebacker right so like I said, I think the linebacker is the most – even Mac Brown's admitted he's a little bit worried about the D-line. I think that's more because he hasn't seen a lot of his most talented guys play, understandable. But that linebacker position is – it does scare me because that's one of the most important positions on any defense, much less a Jay Bateman defense. I think it becomes that much more important. Um, so 
that position I'm really worried about. I'm hoping Gimmel continues to make strides. I'm hoping Surratt is as good as people are making him out to be. And I'm really hoping that Jonathan Smith gets back into school. I mean, I know he hasn't done a ton in his time here, but he has experience. He has done some decent things. So linebacker position, to sum it up for you, your jury's really still out on that. I'm not too confident in that even going into the season that guys are really going to have to improve and um, might even have to rely on some guys coming in to play some minutes. But D-line, I wouldn't be too worried about that if everybody can get back healthy, which I don't think will be a problem. Well, that's good to hear. And, yeah, the linebacker position, this was – kind of the wrong year to have to go to the 3-4. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. we want Jay Bateman's defense to be able to flow the way that it's supposed to, but you, you mentioned it. I mean, this year, we just don't know if we're going to have that depth. I know Timon exactly. Fox is, is standing up now. He's pretty much going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker mm-hmm. to its truest. Uh, I think Tyrone Hopper, I think, will probably stand up too because he was converted from linebacker earlier in his yeah. career. So I would be really shocked if he ends up putting his hand down. So having him back will definitely help um and then you know I think Matthew Flint's a guy that we've heard a little bit about it's just Mm kind of where does he fit because he came in as an outside linebacker in Fedora's 4-3 scheme or well John Mm -hmm. Papuchas's 4-3 scheme but basically Fedora's and then um you know and and now he's kind of I, I would guess he's going to move inside um and we've heard some things so, yeah. right we've heard some things about him and how he's performed another big guy that that we lost this offseason that guys won't talk about is Malik Robinson who really had a great year yeah. in spring camp last year he ended up actually transferring so I, I think you're right just the amount of bodies there's just not a whole lot of guys there and I think you're you're saying it the door could be open for a fall enrollee like Eugene Asante who is really exactly. talented to come in and make an early impact uh, you know, pretty much immediately. I mean, he could be on mm-hmm. the field in that game against South Carolina if yeah. he really shows enough to us. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess uh, – one last thing that I'll ask you, you know, we're focusing on the game on Saturday. You know, what are you, I mean, what are you really going to be focusing on? I'm assuming the quarterback battle is yeah. probably the top thing that everybody's focusing on. But what are For some sure. of the other under the radar things that maybe you should focus on out there or maybe some key players to keep an eye on? That's a good question. I think Corey Bell at that wide receiver position. I haven't mm-hmm. seen – obviously, he made that move from – what was he? Corner to, to wide receiver here yes. recently. Yep. And, um, we spoke to him last week, and he said he hadn't played wide receiver since middle school. That being said, I mean, the amount of praise he has got from just about everybody we right. talked to since that move – is unbelievable. So I am really excited to see what he does. There is some – I've also heard – I think Matt Brown said it last week that you're likely going to see um, Toe Groves, Corey Bell, and Daz Newsom as the three punt returners and kick returners. So the fact that Corey Bell has emerged as a, one of those guys in that quick of a time kind of shows me how well he's adjusted. So Corey Bell is a guy I really, really um, am excited to have an eye on because Carolina doesn't have a lot of – those short slot receiver guys besides Daz Newsom, really. Right. And he's the guy that can slot right in there and get some significant minutes. So the reason I say him is because of the amount of praise he's been getting. Obviously, the quarterback position's a huge um, battle right now. I, nobody's really emerged, which I don't think should be as a surprise to anybody. But like I said, I think that position's in good hands because you've got three talented guys. Mm-hmm. Obviously, even Matt Brown's admitted it. You're going to lose one of those guys probably in the coming year or so because – any, any of those guys could probably start um, at 
a lot of schools in the ACC. So you're gonna unfortunately probably gonna lose your third string guy, whoever that may be. Um, so I would definitely keep an eye on quarterback position, just because we haven't been able to talk to any quarterbacks this summer. I mean, this spring we haven't really gotten anything from Matt Brown, a few significance on the quarterback. So definitely keep an eye on that. And I think besides that, keep an eye on that front seven on the defensive line and at the linebacker position. I'd, I'd really encourage people to to watch that because, like I said, you're going to see a lot of these D linemen um, that that are going to be playing on Saturday probably not playing as much with the talent that's coming back when the spring uh, when the when the real season starts in, in late August against South Carolina. So keep an eye on those two positions, especially that defense, because unfortunately it became a staple under Larry Fedora that the defense just was really never good. Even in 2015, when we had um, a really, really good year, uh, Gene Chizik back there coaching them up. I mean, Carolina's defense was still let up a ton of yards. So hopefully they can get that turned around, especially with Bateman, what he did with, I wouldn't say a lack of talent in Army, but with smaller guys, um, definitely a little bit lack of talent. Who the fact that he was able to turn them around and have such a what a top I think it was the top five or top ten defense in the country last year right. shows that I think he can do it here and should be able to. But um, I'm trying to think of another guy that I would definitely look out for. I think another big player that I'm really excited to see, and maybe a position group which you're already talking about, is that running back position because my thing is. You know, obviously in this air raid style, Phil Longo still likes to use and, and use those running backs a lot and out of the backfield as, as catchers as well. I think they're all three very capable of that. But having a young, experienced quarterback coming in, regardless of who it's going to be, they're all three basically going to be freshmen, two are going to be redshirt freshmen that have some experience, and you got a true freshman in Sam Howell. If you can establish a dominant running game, just imagine how much pressure that's going to take off those quarterbacks. So... I think keep an eye on those guys. It'll be interesting to see who runs with the starting group. I would assume it might be Antonio. I'm assuming it could be Michael. I really right. don't know. I think that's a toss-up right now. Right. You can start either either of those guys and be successful, in my opinion. So keep an eye on that running back group, too. But I think my biggest guy, to, to answer your question, the guy I'm really excited to see the most is Corey Bell. And like I said, it's because of the amount of praise he's been receiving. It's just been unbelievable, Anthony. Everybody seems to talk about him. And we haven't been able to see him play. We were in the open practice. I should have kept an eye on him more, but I didn't. They were just doing small drills, so you really can't get an idea of how good he is anyway. Right. But having not been able to see a scrimmage and this being the first time we've seen these guys being able to go up against each other, that's the guy I'm really excited to see because, like I said, the way he's been being talked up, how seamless and smooth that transition's been for him in practice, that can translate into the game. I mean, he's just going to add a ton of depth to that wide wide receiver position that already really has a ton of depth anyway. So um, I'm really excited for the spring game on Saturday. It's going to be a good time, a lot of fun events out there. There's just, I mean, a new coaching staff is always going to bring a new owner, but when you bring Mac Brown back, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be at that game, especially with how bad the weather's looking, but I think if it was going to be a beautiful day like it is today and, you know, 70 degrees and sunny, it would be a really good turnout, but there's a lot of things to keep your eye on during the spring game. A lot of things are still up in the air, but those are the guys and positions that I would definitely be watching personally, and I think everybody else should focus on as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that that was fantastic. I mean, that's exactly where I'm looking as well. One of the other guys I'd throw out there is if you're a guy that's into the offensive lineman, keep an eye on Ed Montillas, who has taken For over sure. a starting role. So, uh, and yeah. I forgot to mention that, Anthony. That's a good point. I forgot right. to mention how deep this O-line is. So I think the O-line is one of the deepest positions as well. Montillas has emerged. Mm-hmm. I wrote a little feature story on him. 
Uh, I think last week he's really emerged and getting a ton of praise. And this line is deep. Polino, he's got so many guys down there that can do some really good, really, really good things. So that's a good point too. Keep an eye on that line because I think that's one of the deepest positions on Carolina's team right now. Yeah, so uh, I think that we'll, we'll be, of course, keeping an eye on all of that out there at the spring game. It starts at 5 o'clock on Saturday. There are some uh, different things that you can do beforehand. I know there's uh, a women's lacrosse game, a men's lacrosse game, and also mm-hmm. a softball game on campus. But if you're one of those real football nuts or if you're like us and cover the team, you're going to be there at 4.15 oh, yeah. when warm-ups begin to make sure that you get an eye on all of the guys who will be out there. And uh, it should be a, a fun event. Event. I know it is. Uh, I mean, as you said, it, it will rain a little bit. That doesn't stop us. Hopefully, it doesn't no, stop <laughs> the fan base uh, from coming out and supporting this team. Uh, I think that you know, with the energy that's around this team, the fans need to come out and support them. And uh, we'll see what type of turnout we have for this uh, first spring game. Actually, the first spring game in three years. Because remember, wow, with ev- with everything that's gone on in Keenan Stadium, of course, two years ago they were installing the drainage system, so they were unable to have the game. Game, uh there mm-hmm. and they uh was that the year they I don't think they had it. Was it maybe it was that year that they had it um, at Fetzer Field? Uh, and yep. then of course, Fetzer, yep. and then of course last year um, they didn't have it all together. Really, just because well, Fetzer wasn't there. They were tearing that down as they began construction on the new indoor practice facility, and Keenan Stadium was actually just pretty much torn to shreds. Um, yep. So this will be the last time that the team will also be on the grass. So if you love the Keenan Stadium grass, make sure you turn out and check that out for the last oh, yeah. time. Um, this season before they move to turf. So, uh, Jacob, hey, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, just tell the guys where they can follow you because you do such a great job. We want to make sure that everybody is following you and uh, making sure that they're staying up to date on everything Carolina football. Yeah, I appreciate that, Anthony. I really admire what you're doing over, you know, at your ball tournament itself. It's, it's, it's the, the way you've gone about starting something like that and, and the professionalism and, and all the content you put out is unbelievable. So keep that up over there, man. But um, definitely follow me on uh, Twitter at Jacob Turner, T-H-I. I want to at Jacob Turner, T-H-I. You can find me there. Definitely check us out um, at Tarnit Illustrated. It's NorthCarolina.Rivals.com. I believe you can type in TarnitIllustrated.com and it'll take you straight there. But definitely uh, encourage you guys to check us out over there. Obviously, you can have some coverage of the stuff. You can find coverage of my Twitter account. You know, I'm not sure if we can – I'm pretty sure we can live-tweet the game, so I'll be doing some – some relatively live tweeting and some observations on my Twitter as well. And definitely check out my YouTube account as well. You can find that a link to that on my Twitter. I'll go ahead and tweet that right after right after this. Um got a ton of interviews up there. You can find all the interviews with the players. Um you can find some highlights from the Rivals camp, uh, some interviews with some recruits from the Rivals camp and a ton of stuff from basketball as well. So like I said, I appreciate you having me back on. Keep up the good work over there, man. We'll have to get back on the podcast very soon. All right, yeah, appreciate those words of kindness so much, man. And you're right we definitely have to get you back on because you do such a fantastic job and uh yeah i mean just during the summer we'll have to have you on when we're getting that little downtime to talk a little bit of tario football to keep everybody uh from going nuts so uh yeah thank you yeah thanks so much man we'll see you out there on saturday and uh yeah just uh take care and we'll talk to you down the line buddy okay 
Thanks, Anthony. Have a good one, man. All right. You too, man. Jacob Turner wasn't the only Tar Heel journalist to stop by on Thursday, though, as we sat down with GoHeels.com's Pat James to talk about some similar storylines and also ask him a few other questions. Pat, first of all, uh, you know, you're back now covering pretty much almost exclusively Tar Heel football. You're dabbling in some of the other uh, spring sports that they've got going on, but football now becomes a little bit of the focus because of basketball being off the table. So, so uh, how you doing, man? I know it's been uh, w- w- it's kind of been all over the place here over the last couple of months, but uh, now it's uh, sort of time to settle in and you know focus a little bit on football. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun time of the year right now. I mean, there's definitely, especially you know this spring, a lot of excitement just around you know obviously what's been going on with the football program, and uh, it's been fun to be, be over there and everything. And uh, yeah, I've been over around a little bit of baseball, a little bit more these past couple weeks, and looking forward to being over there a little bit more down the stretch run here. Yeah, so with the football team, though, they're coming down the stretch run of spring camp. So today was the final practice. Now they'll turn around and have the spring game in Keenan Stadium on Saturday. So with this team, I know one of the main things that a lot of people around the team have talked about is the fact that really just the spirits are totally different for this team. But we talked about it last year that the team really did seem rejuvenated for what would eventually turn out to be Larry Fedora's final year. What's different about about this year's team and just the feel around it there definitely is i mean the phrase everybody tosses around when you have you know your coaching staff and all that is you know just that these guys are bought in you know that's what's always said mm-hmm. and i think that there is kind of a renewed commitment i would say in a sense just kind of throughout the entire program I mean, I think just when you have a coaching change, just in general, I mean, there is just an added sense of excitement. I feel like, you know, these guys also kind of feed off the excitement that the fans are also showing currently just in the program. So it does seem like just overall, there is just a renewed energy just around the entire program in general. Um, you know, a lot of guys like Antonio Williams, Patrice Renee, they spoke with the media today, and they just said, you know, I mean, just the way things are going right now, I mean, everybody is, you know, locked in. I mean, they're really excited for Saturday for the spring game and everything. Yeah, so uh, one of the main storylines, I think, for the spring game really is the fact that there isn't a whole lot of depth on the defensive side of the football. That's one of the concerns that Mac Brown's been talking about throughout spring camp, and it's become more and more evident over the last couple of weeks with, of course, K.J. Sales transferring and then C.J. Cotman retiring due to a medical issue. So, you know, when you look at the defensive side of the football, what is the area that right now should have the most concern and people will probably probably be keeping an eye on the most come Saturday. Uh, I mean, the one that uh, Mac Brown has most recently pointed out is, you know, just the front seven in general. Mm-hmm. And I would say specifically just that linebacker unit. I mean, obviously right now, Jonathan Smith uh, hasn't been practicing this spring and they've been out about a few guys up there along the front seven. So uh, the linebackers are definitely going to be an area to be watching for and really just that front seven in general. Personally, I'm really excited to be watching some of these younger guys in that linebacker unit, how they do on Saturday. You know, guys like Matthew Flint, Kadri Jackson. Um, Matthew Flint's a guy whose name's popped up a couple times in the past couple of days. You guys have been talking about just, you know, his steady progression. You know, he's a guy who impressed a lot during the fall as well when he came as a freshman this past fall. So that's one guy I'm looking for. Um, yeah, just that linebacker unit. Some of those guys on the defensive front, um, it's be interesting to see, you know, how reps are kind of split up there and everything. I mean, you know, a guy who I'm really curious of watching on Saturday as well is going to be Zach Gill. Um, a 
a guy who's kind of be thrust into the middle a little bit there. You know, Jason Strowbridge currently injured. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're right about that. And when you talk about guys like Jason Strobridge and Alan Cater, Tyrone Hopper, those guys are all out. In the secondary, there's two guys in Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfolk. Now, I know that Miles Dorn recently had surgery, um, so it, it it's probably doubtful that he's going to play in the spring game. What about Miles Wolfolk? Will he be able to go in the spring game, or will we have to see maybe a guy like DJ Ford step up? I'm not exactly sure about uh, Miles Wolfolk's status for Saturday, but I will say that if DJ Ford is out there, I, I'm assuming he will be. Um, that's the guy who I'm really curious uh, about, you know, just in terms of his overall development. You know, a guy who, you know, like a few guys on this team, has kind of you know fought the injury bug uh, during his UNC career. But he's a guy who I know a lot of guys have been impressed with so far this spring. And obviously, you know, with his length, I mean. He's a guy who, if he can figure out how to use that length to his advantage, could be a really exciting player to watch just kind of just in terms of his development. Let's quickly go to the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, the running back position seems like the most stable out of all of them. Now, Jordan Brown, of course, did leave the program last week to transfer, but that was something that I think all of us eventually expected. At least one of those guys out of those four would probably move on because of just how much depth they have there. You know, with, with him leaving, is there any concern right now, or is this group really in probably the best shape of any on this entire football team? I think that's safe to say that this this position group is in the best shape. I mean, Antonio Williams and Michael Carr, you know what you have in those two guys, just, you know, as veterans, just in that running running back room. And, I mean, obviously the guy who's been turning heads once again, as he has since he arrived last January, is Javante Williams. I mean, he's been amazing this spring. I mean, everybody's been talking about him. And so and, uh, Antonio Williams was actually talking about him today and just was talking about just how proud he is of Javante, how much he's been progressing. He's He said, you know, he's so excited to see what Javante's going to be able to do once him and Michael kind of move on, you know, which one might guess would be as early as next year for Michael as well. And then another guy, I mean, who doesn't get a lot of whole lot of publicity, but who I think is an interesting, you know, fourth option is British Brooks. I mean, he's a guy who, I mean, obviously not really going against the top tier guys on that defense when he's in there in practice and everything, but I mean, he's a guy who I know a lot of guys are big fans of, and I mean, he's a guy who could be a good, you know, fourth option for this team. Yeah, very interesting name to throw into there. Uh, I think Antoine Branch as well could be another guy that might be an interesting name to watch out for. Uh, when you look at the quarterback position right now, there's still not a whole lot of clearance, although Daz Newsom gave us something interesting a couple of weeks ago when he did say that he thought that Cade Fortin was the smartest out of the group. I don't really know how much you take away from it, but when it comes to Saturday's game, how do you think the reps are going to go? I know that Sam Howell has kind of been that guy that that's looked at as the third guy in the race right now, while the other two have kind of stepped their game up. But it's still pretty early for him. Do you expect there to be really more balance, or do you expect it to be like that last scrimmage that we saw where it'll pretty much be Fortin and Reuter taking the bulk of the snaps and then Howell at the end? I, I think it will be about as even as possible with the snaps of the three of them. That's just what I would assume. Um, and even then, I mean, even though, as you said, you know, how might have been kind of, I guess, the third option in the last scrimmage, it'd be kind of, you know, really close cutting it uh, between the three of them, even just in terms of number of reps, all of them have really been receiving throughout the spring. 
Um, you mentioned, you know, Kate. I mean, Daz really talked him up a couple weeks ago, and Jeremiah Gemmel had a lot of nice things to say about him earlier this week as well, just talking about, you know, he throws a really good ball, and that when he misses, you know, he misses long. He doesn't miss short to where, you know, balls can be picked off and things like that. And so, I mean, he's definitely been talked up a lot, but I think that, you know, it's going to be interesting on Saturday. I think the one thing that it's going to be hard for fans not to do, and even reporters or anybody, is to kind of overreact to what happens on Saturday. Right. It's going to be kind of tough for everybody, I think. But I think uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think with the quarterbacks, what I'm most interested in seeing is what they look like the first day of August camp. Because there was a big difference last year with Cade. And he came in, you know, had a pretty solid spring. But in my opinion, I thought Jace was ahead of him uh, at the end of spring practice last year. But when when fall camp resumed last fall, uh, I thought Cade had taken huge steps just over the summer. And so I think the summer period is going to be really interesting for those three guys. Well, the overreaction business is what makes the journalism <laughs> business. So unfortunately, we got to do it a little bit. Now, I don't think these are overreactions. Two guys that have really stood out on the offensive side of the ball so far in spring camp, both Corey Bell Jr., who made the transition from corner about midway through, and then Ed Montillis, the offensive lineman who now is projected as the starting left guard. So both of those guys, I mean, should we see some significant reps out of both of those guys on Saturday? I would imagine so. I mean, Corey Bell is a guy who I think has most been working with, you know, the second team, I guess, putting that in the air quotes. Um, but he's a guy who's definitely been super impressive so far. I mean, as impressive as you can be, you know, when you've been playing cornerback for, you know, seven years, you know, hasn't played wide receiver since middle school. But he's been super impressive. I, mean, I think he's a guy who, you know, if I am looking for, in terms of guys who I'm looking forward to watching on Saturday, he's definitely towards the top of the list. And then uh, Montellus, I mean, a lot of guys have been giving him a lot of love. And I mean, you know, he was a guy who kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit last year, you know, coming in out of uh, Apopka High School as well, William Barnes. Um, a lot of attention went to William Barnes. But uh, Montellus, he's definitely been making a name for himself. You know, one of those guys who's kind of taken advantage of having you know, that fresh start with, you know, a new coaching staff. And uh, so I, I definitely am looking forward to see how he performs on uh, Saturday. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just kind of how that offensive line in general kind of shapes up, you know, once J.J. McCarr goes, you know, fully healthy and everything again. And then the last thing that I want to ask you, and we asked you this last year during spring camp, and, and I think it was one of those questions that was kind of interesting. Which battle do you think is not being talked about quite that much, but will be an interesting one to keep an eye on on Saturday? Because everybody wants to talk about the quarterback battle, even the number two cornerback battle. So is there one that really maybe we're not looking at that you think could be on display on Saturday and, and really start to generate a, a little bit of buzz? That's kind of interesting because, uh, I mean, obviously, I think those two that you mentioned, quarterback and the number two cornerbacks, are definitely the ones that are receiving the most attention. Um, you know, it's kind of tough because, you know, the one spot I would say, honestly, uh, it's going to be hard, though, because Jonathan Smith isn't out there. But the guy who I'm really interested in watching is Jeremiah Gemmel. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who I really, I think I talked up a lot to you on this podcast uh, back in the fall. And uh, he's a guy who I'm still, I've really been impressed by. I know the coaching staff really likes him. The one thing is that they've really been one from more to be a little bit more vocal. But uh, and he's a guy who, you know, just kind of depending on what happens, I mean, you know, he's been projected to be the starter at the mic so far uh, throughout the spring uh, with Jonathan Smith out. And I think he's a guy, you know, 
if he can continue capitalizing just on these extra reps that he's been getting in the spring, you know, when Jonathan Smith's been out, and he's a guy who'd probably be, you know, the starter there, the uh, Mike Linebacker. Um, so I think that's the guy. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to say a specific position battle, but I think he's a guy who, you know, if he shows enough on Saturday, could put himself in a really good, you know, put himself in the driver's seat for that spot, you know, entering the fall. Well, there you go. We'll take that because there might be a position battle in the fall because of how he performed in the spring. So we'll we'll definitely take that. Um, Yeah, no, that is uh, fantastic stuff from you, Pat. And uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by with us, man. I know it's been a little while and uh, I know we missed you on the podcast. So thanks for swinging by and talking to us a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Look forward to doing it again here soon. Yeah, just uh, tell the people where they can follow you just in case they're not following you on social media already, which if you're not, you got to make sure you follow this guy because he's one of the best. Him and Lee Pace, man, tag team in the football team. They it's just, they do such a great job. Yeah, you can uh, just follow me at PatJames24. All right, so Pat James from GoHeels.com stopping by with us. Hey, Pat, uh, thank you so much, man, and uh, we'll have to talk to you down the line again, definitely during fall camp so we can get some of the latest on all of these guys that we just talked about and get ourselves prepared for the season. I mean, believe it or not, it really is closing in. It's only a little more than four months away, so for you uh, football nuts, yeah, hang in there. We're almost almost there. We're almost there, and Saturday will be a little bit of a relief for us. So, uh, Pat, thanks again, man, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, buddy, okay? Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you very much. I want to thank both Jacob Turner and Pat James for stopping by to talk about these major storylines ahead of Saturday's spring game in Keenan Stadium. Now, as you heard from Jacob Turner, there is expected to be a little bit of rain in the forecast, but it looks like there's at least a chance that most of the major stuff will hold off. So if you can make it out there, I know the Tar Heel players would love to see you out there, and if you are out there, Stop by and say, hey, I'll be sitting in the stands and I'll let you guys know on game day where I'll be sitting at. How can you find that out? Well, just go to Twitter and search Anthony Pagnata or my handle at Future Tar Heel and you'll find me there. Also, check out the blog's Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. You can also head over to Facebook where we have the Facebook page Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. So, you guys know where you can find the podcast. It's on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, now Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app. Also, just about any other place that you find your podcast will have the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Make sure that you check out the Heel Tough Blog on the website. The Heel Tough blog is now on its own website, as you guys may know or may not know. And you can also subscribe to the newsletter at the bottom of the homepage. Just search Heel Tough blog on Google, or you can type it into your address bar, www.heeltoughblog.com. That's the easiest way to do it. Again, www.heeltoughblog.com, and that will catch you up on all of the latest around Tar Heel football and And if you go to the podcast page, you can find the podcast there as well if you want to listen through the site. Also, we encourage you to check out the Roy's Boys podcast, which is on just about all of those same sites, but still taking a little bit of time to get on some of those other sites as it goes through sort of the approval process. But you can check it out. I know it's definitely on Spreaker, iTunes, 
Uh, Google Podcast, I think, does have it. Spotify and iHeartRadio definitely have it as of the moment. Also, you can search the Roy's Boys blog. That's going to be through Medium.com, where the Heel Tough blog used to be. So you can go ahead and go on there and search that up. Written by our co-host on this show for most of the episodes and my buddy Josh Marlowe. So, once again, thank both Pat James and Jacob Turner, and thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! (laughs) 